Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. Our Father and our King, we thank you so much, God. We thank you so much that you, that you are good in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of, of coming to the end of life. God, you are good and you meet us there. God, you walk with us each day. You, you chase after us. The psalmist says, surely goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And God, it's, it's in moments like this we claim promises like that. We pray for Norman Shirley today. We pray that your peace would be upon them. We pray, God, that they would experience your presence in a very real and very tangible way, both through your spirit, through your word, and through the body of Christ as we gather to pray and as we encourage. Um, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have to gather, even despite distance, to open your word and to seek to be a people who grow in our relationship with you through prayer, through study of the word, and through service to our community. We bless you, Lord God. We thank you for this morning. This is a day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I invite you to take your Bibles, and we're going to be in a couple of different places this morning. And, and as we start, I also want to say Happy Mother's Day. I'm so thankful for all the ladies within our church family. I'm especially thankful for all the ladies in my life, my wife, my mom, my grandma, my mother-in-law. They, they're just awesome, awesome folks. My sister, we just keep, keep going. Um, they're just awesome folks, and it's so great to be able uh, to celebrate the role that God has, has played for the women in our life. And one of the things we're going to do today is we're going to talk about this idea of prayer with, with another just kind of a different look at it. Very, very, very different. And this morning we're going to look at a couple of different passages. And we're going to talk about um, what it means to have a house that is set towards the Lord. Uh, how to have spiritual principles for our home. And we're going to begin our study this morning in the book of Joshua. So we're going to be a couple different places. Feel free to flip there as we go. And if, if you write or underline in your Bible or you make notes on a piece of paper, I encourage you to do that as we go. The first place we're going to start is here. Um, I've entitled this, this teaching, As for Me in My House, because the, 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 the place of the home takes such central um, focus within the biblical narrative. And as we begin to think about stay-at-home stay orders uh, being lifted throughout our nation, uh, we want to spend some time talking about our homes today. For, for many of us, our homes are fortresses. They're, they're impenetrable to the outside world, especially now. Uh, they're places where people don't come in. They, 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 they might go out, uh, maybe. But, but these uh, these are these are fortresses often for us, um, but homes are where 
if we're honest, a lot of our life is lived in its greatest fullness. Um, the broken, the messy, the joy and the pain of life are all lived out in the context of the home. And so as we begin to prepare re-engaging one another in, in community outside of our home, I want to talk a couple minutes about how we as individuals and families um, should begin to prayerfully come out of this season, but come out with intention. Because it, it could be really easy to just snap back and say, we have to go back to what normal is, whatever that is. Rather, I think what God wants to teach us is how should our lives better look in light of his word, in light of his teaching, um, as we come out of our stay-at-home orders. And I want to suggest to you this morning that our homes provide the greatest opportunity for living out God's grace. So let's talk about the home for just a minute. One of the great passages regarding the home is, is, um, is Joshua chapter 24. It says this, it says, Therefore, fear the Lord and worship him in, sincer- in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods of your fathers. Uh, get rid of the gods your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship the Lord. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today. Which will you worship? The gods of your father, the gods your fathers worshipped beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living? And he says this, he says, as for me and my house, we will worship or we will serve the Lord. That's interesting. Joshua is coming to the end of his life. He's reaching his last days, and he actually gathers all of Israel around him from all their different tribal portions, and they meet at Shechem. And he wants to set before them some truths. He wants to remind them of the covenant that God has made with him. And and he invites them into this. Hey, this is what God called us to. Let's live in accordance with this. And, And he says, if you don't, here's what's going to happen. And what I love about what Joshua says is he takes responsibility for him and his household. He says, as for me and my family, we are going to worship or we are going to serve the Lord. That, that, that was kind of the context for all of what Joshua wanted for his tribe, for, for, for the people whom he was a part of. And we talked last week a little bit about what it means to worship or to serve the Lord, to declare what he has done, to to proclaim his might and his power over all the things that are around us. And see, even as we talk about the home, we talk about the the family here, this message is equally applicable to, to anyone. It's, it's applicable to someone like me who's got um, a wife and three kids at home. It's applicable to someone who is a single adult and, and maybe they're living at their parents' house. Maybe they're living out on their own and they ha- own and they have roommates. Uh, it, it applies there. It, it applies to um, the empty nester, the person who doesn't have any kids whatsoever, the married couple who, who doesn't have any kids. It applies to those who, of us who are later in life. Maybe our kids or our grandkids are, are far out of the nest. See, see, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord is not limited to how many people you have in your family. It begins first with as for me and those whom God has entrusted to me, those who I have relational um, um, components with, where, where I can speak into their life, where, where I can encourage, where I can admonish. Joshua is saying, as for me and my family, for those in my context, we are going to serve the Lord. That is what we want to do. And he's taking responsibility foremost for his individual family. But it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. Why? Well, our home 
is the place where we are most authentically us. I said that already. We, we, we can't always control the environment of the places we go, but we can all often seek to establish a godly environment within the context of our home. So if you're a single adult, for example, wherever you live, you can begin to establish a godly environment, one that's based upon the truth of God's word, one that's based upon the grace of God even now. If, if you're a retired couple or you're living in a um, assisted living home or, or a, a, a long-term care facility, you can, even in that midst, you can set apart your life to serve and to worship God in that context. And that is part of having you in your home serve the Lord. How would you view your home? Think about that question for a minute. How would you view your home? How do you view your home? Maybe take a moment right now and write down two or three words to describe the current atmosphere of your home. As you reflect upon this and you reflect upon your home and the people you have around you, because it's more than just the building, it's the people. Write down two or three words to describe the current atmosphere of your home. What are they? Okay, think about that. If you haven't written them down yet, write them down sometime in the next few minutes here. How would you describe your home? The home played a very central role within the story of the people of God. Um, After the destruction of the temple, homes uh, came to be known as small sanctuaries. Small sanctuaries. Marv Wilson, Dr. Marv Wilson talks about this in his book, Our Father Abraham. He says, these small sanctuaries, these gatherings of God's people outside of the temple, because the temple wasn't there. There was no central place to meet. They were marked by three things. They were marked by worship of God. It was called the house of prayer. They, They were marked by the learning of Torah. Torah is just a word that means teaching. It refers to God's words or God's teaching to us. Um, and, and so they were called a house of study. Study was very important in, in the Jewish framework of everything. Um, and then the third thing that these small sanctuaries were devoted to were serving the needs of the community. And they were known as the house of assembly. And, and in other words, a, a, um, a Jewish perspective on the home is, is one that is based upon the worship of God, the study of his word, and in being a place where it's opened up to other people. Where, where that actual home is not a fortress or it's not something that's blocked off from society. It's not something that no one else comes into. In fact, it's something that you invite people to step into because your home provides the context for God's grace to be lived out in its fullness, for the word of God to be taught to your family, to extended family, to friends. It, it provides a place where needs are met, both physical and spiritual needs. So as we continue to think about this, I I just want to say that the the culture that we create in our homes should be to bring glory to the Lord and to be a witness to the community that surrounds us. See, we were created for the eternal, yet much of our lives is filled with the temporal. All right. We, we were created for the eternal. We were created to love and to serve God, to have our hearts and our minds drawn towards him, to have all of our energies fixated upon what, who he is and what he wants from us, to live in this relationship of, with, with God um, through prayer and through the study of his word. We're created for the eternal. And yet a lot of our lives um, are filled with things of the world. Now, th- things of the world, you know, are, some of them are important. But, but a lot of them aren't. A lot of them are just temporal. They're fleeting. They're here today. They're gone tomorrow. And it doesn't really matter all that much for our lives. 
Now, th- this does not mean that uh, I, got, I got this quote from, from, from someone that's not original to her, but um, it doesn't mean that we think such heavenly thoughts that we become uh, of little earthly good. Someone mentioned that quote to me. It's not that we become of little earthly good. It, it actually means that, that we have our mind and our heart focused on that which truly satisfies, that which truly brings life, and that becomes important for our earthly life here on earth. It means that the things of this world will never satisfy because only the truth of God's world will endure. What are we investing in? What, what, what comprises our energies and our focus each day together as families? Uh, I, I mentioned our homes our homes after the destruction of the second temple were called small sanctuaries. Um, the center of that sanctuary, the rabbis talk about, is the, is the table. Uh, the, the table is known as the altar of the home. And just think about it. Th- think about, you know, for example, um, one of the verses that comes from Deuteronomy that Jesus quotes when he's being tempted. Uh, he's, he's tempted to turn some stones into bread, and he says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. It's the the table is important within the life of the home because when we gather around the table, it's often the place where we are most face to face. We we have conversation. We engage around food. We we engage together as people. Physical nourishment is important to our life. Bread is incredibly tasty as well, but it's not the only thing that sustains us. In fact, it should be the Word of God that sustains us as well. Man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So what marks our homes? Um, Turn with me, please, to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. We're going to look at three passages in our remaining time together, fairly briefly. And uh, I just want to point out a couple of things to you. Deuteronomy, chapter 6, if you turn there. I'll read it. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. It says, This is the command, the statutes and ordinances the Lord your God has instructed me to teach you, so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter and possess. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all his statutes and commands I'm giving you, your son and your grandson, and so that you may have a long life. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly because Yahweh, the God of your fathers, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Listen, Israel, you know this part, Shema Israel, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, or the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. They are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Deuteronomy 6 verses 1 through 9. A couple of of observations about this. Um, These are commands that God gives. There's two goals of the Torah um, for Israel. Number one is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. The second one is prospering wherever God has placed you. So so you see fear of the Lord in verse 2. Do this that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all these statutes. Uh, Jump down a little bit. So that you may have a long life. Listen, be careful to follow so that you may prosper and multiply greatly. 
God desires his people to experience great blessing and abundance in their life. And he knows that the best way for them to experience this is to have a home that is centered around the word of God in relationship with God. See, God's words, God's teaching wasn't just to be something that they heard or something that they read. He actually says in verse 6, it is to be something that is in your heart. It's not, it's not to be external, it's actually to be on the inside. God wants his word to be of such importance that, that we think about it, that, that we teach it to our kids this isn't a one and done. This is not a do it perfect and then move on or check the box and move on to the next thing of the day. This involves time, attention, humility, and dependence upon God. And it's found in a prayerful dependence upon the Holy Spirit. All right? It, it, the, the Holy Spirit is, is, one, it, it is one member of the triune Godhead. And the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us understand the word of God, who, who leads and guides us into truth, the scripture says. We are dependent upon the Holy Spirit to live this out, to, to, to allow God's word to dwell in us richly. Now, is there a personal component we have to own? Yes, we have to open it up. We have to devote our time to it. But, it, but it's God who takes those words and he seals them down into our hearts such that even when we face difficult times, he reminds us of certain truths that we have looked at. This, this is not a one and done. This is a, a, an attitude of life. These words are to be on your heart. They're, you are to repeat them while sitting, walking, lying down, and getting up. You are to bind them. You are to doorpost them. You, you, you and I, we should have the word of God before us frequently in our lives. Why is that? Well, it, it's because we are people who are prone to wander. As the old hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I fear, feel it, prone to leave the God I love. We are prone to wander. How, how do we fight that temptation to wander? We allow the word of God to dwell in us richly. And as we do, the Holy Spirit uses the word of God to, to grow us in his grace. See, the temple was very important for the, the life of Israel. It was a place where the scriptures were taught. It was a place where people could come and they could offer sacrifices. They could corporately worship. But, but the family, the family was the lifeblood of nurturing faith. The family is the lifeblood of nurturing faith. It, it begins with all these daily connections we have with our families around dinner table or friends around the dinner table, inviting people into our homes, asking them to live real life with us. Because in living real life, we have the opportunity then to allow the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. Now, saying that the family is the lifeblood of nurturing faith, is, is not to put down the gathered body of believers. Um, there's great things that God has purposed his church to do and to be about that we can only do together. Uh, the, the church is described as a body where each individual member is a piece or a component of that. And without the totality of people gathered in the body of Christ, we, they, they are, there are gaps that can be missing. Each follower of Jesus plays an important role within the life of Christ's bride, the church. And yet, our families are central to discipleship. They're central to sharing the gospel with the next generation. 
We were designed to live as integrated communities. The, the early church met together regularly, often in homes. And, and while this command specifically, specifically deals with families, the practice of this truth, in other words, to have God's teaching on our heart, begins with each of us as individuals and with our families. We, we, we cannot give what we ourselves do not have. So whether you're single, you're divorced, you're a grandparent, wherever you find yourselves in life, you have an important role to invest your life in the Word of God and, and to invest your life in a life of prayer in dependence upon the Holy Spirit and then to take that and to invite people into that, to, to, to allow people to crack the door of your front door once the stay-at-homes are lifted uh, and, and that is a safe place to be. You, 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 you and I are called to allow our lives to affect those beyond us. Now, you might ask yourself, well, what, what about if I didn't come from a godly heritage? What, what about if my story is a little more complicated than you might think? And I want to just ask you to turn back to Joshua, but go to Joshua chapter 2 this time. Uh, Joshua chapter 2. In Joshua 2, we meet a, a person, and, and her name is Rahab. Uh, Rahab. And, and Rahab is not an Israelite at this point. Uh, in Joshua chapter 2, we find that uh, in verses 1 and following, uh, Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two men as spies from the Acacia Grove, saying, Go scout out the land. This is the land of Israel, especially Jericho. So they left and they came to the house of a woman, a prostitute named Rahab, and stayed there. So, so they go into Jericho. They presumably are trying to find somewhere to stay safely for the night. Rahab allows them to come in. And we find out in verse 2 that the king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelite men have come here tonight to investigate the land. Then the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab and said, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, for they came to investigate the entire land. But the woman had taken... The two men had hidden them. So she said, Yes, the men did come to me, but I didn't know where they were from. Uh, at nightfall, when the gate was about to close, the men went out, and I didn't know where they were going. Chase after them quickly, and you can catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof, hidden them among the stalks of flax in, that she had arranged on the roof. The men pursued them along the road to the fords of the Jordan, and as soon as they left to pursue them, the gate was shut. So, so she hides these these uh, Israelite men to keep them from almost certain uh, punishment. And, and it says in verse 8, Before the men fell asleep, she went up on the roof. She said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on us. And everyone who lives in this land is panicking because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings, you completely destroyed across the Jordan. When we heard this, we lost heart and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is in heaven above and on earth below. Notice that phrase. This is a Gentile woman. This is a woman who comes from a background of ill repute, you might say. And she recognizes that the God of Israel is doing something here such that when they heard it, they lost heart. Our courage failed because the Lord, this is the divine name of God, the covenantal name of God. The Lord, your God is in heaven above and on earth below. Now, please swear to me by the Lord that you will also show kindness to my family because I showed kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, mother, brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them and save us from death. Rahab is called, um, is noted in the scriptures for her faith. She trusted God. She protected these Israelite spies. Though she comes from a sordid past, she, she 
um, understands what she is seeing. I think by a revelation of the Lord. See, see the Lord's works. And one of the works that she cites here is the Red Sea. We talked about that. By the way, that was 40 years before this. 40 years. She had heard about the amazing works of God on behalf of his people. And, and she sees with eyes of faith. And actually, James notes that her works demonstrate her faith in the God of Israel. And so she says, will you please spare me? Will you please spare me? Where did she get this faith? Well, unlikely from her home. In fact, she's going to bat for her home in this case. I believe God revealed it to her through his mighty acts of rescuing his people. And what was the result of her faith? Well, if you were to do a a study in all the places where her name is found and and you were able to track down her lineage, you, you would find out that Rahab married someone and she gave birth to a man named Boaz. Now, Boaz, if you're in our midweek Bible study, uh, Boaz is going to appear on the scene very soon here, I believe in chapter 2, which we are jumping into this week. Boaz is considered a very righteous man, a, a kinsman redeemer, one, one who is um, a, above reproach in how he lives. He's Rahab's son. And Boaz gives birth to a man named Obed. And Obed gives birth to a man named Jesse through his wife. And then Jesse gives birth to a little-known king, King David. Eventually, this lineage goes all the way to Jesus. See, Rahab, she, she trusted God. And, and I believe Rahab played a very integral role in helping her family love and worship God. Even though she began as a Gentile and a prostitute, God used her by his grace to raise a godly family. No matter your background, no matter where you've come from, you can be the game changer by God's grace in your family. And maybe your situation is really difficult. And, and, and if you're in a situation like that, could I just encourage you for a moment? Seek to know the Lord. Open his word. Spend time in prayer and be obedient to what he has called you. Nothing more. Nothing more. Trust that God will work in you for your family, for your spouse, for your friends. Maybe a lot of those people don't know the Lord. That's okay. Be prayerful. Seek to be Jesus and to exemplify God's grace in your life before them. The last place I want to turn just really briefly here is 2 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, If you'd go with me there quickly. It's in the uh, New Testament. And... 2 Timothy is an important book, and Timothy is essentially a, a local pastor, and he is um, a disciple of Paul. And Paul, as you know, uh, is an important part of the church in the New Testament in taking the gospel of Jesus to the Gentiles in particular. And it says this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3-7. through 7. He says, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Remembering your tears, I long to see you so that you may be filled with joy, clearly recalling your sincere faith. He's talking about Timothy's sincere faith here, that first lived in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice, and that I'm convinced is in you also. Therefore, I remind you, he's exhorting Timothy, I remind you to keep ablaze the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, or yeah, fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Paul is going to encourage um, Timothy in keeping up with 
his growing in relationship with God and the knowledge of God's word and his shepherding of the church of God. Paul recognizes, even in these verses, the importance of his own faith that was passed down from him, passed down to him from his forefathers. See, every, every person has a spiritual ancestor. We all have someone who has gone before us by, by whom we hear the message. So sometimes that spiritual forefather is within our family, and sometimes it's not. So, sometimes, like Rahab, you have, you, you, you hear what God is doing and you hear testimony of that and, and you trust by what you see someone else doing. Sometimes, like Timothy, you, you uh, have a sincere faith that is developed in you by your mom and your grandma. Um, Timothy uh, grew up with Jewish ancestors. Uh, his mom and his grandma were Jewish. Timothy also has a Greek heritage through his, his father. And it's clear from verse 5 that his mom and his grandma instilled these biblical truths into Timothy. If, if you look, I won't read it, but if you look at verses 13 and 14 of chapter 1, they describe um, Paul's admonition to keep uh, with sound teaching and to guard through the Holy Spirit the good thing that is entrusted to you. You know, ha- having sound teaching is a good pattern there in verse 13. And if you jump to chapter 2, verse 2, Paul encourages Timothy, Whatever you've heard from me in the presence of many w- witnesses, commit to faithful men who will then be able to teach others also. In other words, Timothy is to build the household of faith, uh, continuing as, as he instills the word of God into the lives of other people. Um, Pastor Timothy is called to disciple those who will continue to disciple using the scripture as their foundation. If you jump to chapter 3, verses 10 through 15, I won't read it, but I'll just make a a couple notes there. In in verses uh, 10 through 15 of chapter 3, Paul acknowledges the struggles that come with a believer of the Messiah Jesus in in an ungodly world, and even that there are going to be difficult times ahead. But he encourages Timothy in verse uh, 14. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you. You know those who taught you. And you know that from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in the Messiah Jesus. And he's talking about here the the scriptures of the Hebrew Bible, the, the scriptures that point forward to Jesus. Now, I think he's also talking about the, the apostolic teachings. It, Timothy has heard about the message of Jesus, the Messiah. And he's, and he's heard how Jesus is the fulfillment of what God has been doing. How Jesus has brought life where there is darkness. He, he, is, he has brought um, hope amidst pain. He has brought um, a surety of the resurrection even when uh, people are alienated from God. They can find their hope in the truth that Jesus died and rose again and that by believing in his name, they can have life and not just life in the moment, but life for eternity. Paul acknowledges that um, central to Timothy's foundation is the word of God as it is built in him and instilled in him by those who are around him. Timothy's upbringing brought him to a knowledge of salvation through the scripture. Paul essentially is saying here, Continue. Continue in this. 
Don't, don't give up, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Don't allow what you know now to be the end. Keep studying. Keep diving into who God is. Keep allowing the Holy Spirit to transform your life because it's only by the working of the Holy Spirit through you and through your home, through your church, that, that, that the message will continue to go forward. That, that, that's how God designed it. He, he designed his people to be the bearers of his good news, the bearers of his grace in our homes and in our communities. See, our homes provide the greatest opportunity for living out God's grace. The greatest opportunity for living out God's grace. One of the difficulties with a statement like this is there can be a lot of mess in our home. I'm not talking about clothes on the floor or books everywhere or a garage that's filled with a whole bunch of stuff. I'm talking about things like anger and things like judgment, things like um, uh, malice or jealousy, things like um, coarse speaking. See, see, our homes and our lives are filled with a lot of things. But what Paul wants to encourage Timothy and what Scripture wants to encourage us is our homes should be the greatest opportunity for living out of God's grace. Moms and dads, you have an incredible opportunity today. And it's not the call to be perfect necessarily, because we know that without God's help, we, we can't be perfect. We, we know that we are going to fall short, that we are going to miss the mark. But you and I, we, we, we have an incredible opportunity today as we, as we teach our kids to instill the word of God into them and to act with humility. Humility means that we acknowledge when we mess stuff up. Trust me, I mess stuff up all the time. It, it, the, the most authentic person who could tell you how, I, how and who I really am would be my family. They see me when I'm grouchy. They see me when I'm tired. They see me when I'm stretched to my max. They, they see me when I'm just completely done with stuff. And yet it's in those moments that God wants us to continue to live by his grace and to seek to disciple our families. If you're single, um, this is a fantastic opportunity that you have here right in life to invest yourself, to invest your life in the word of God. I don't know your future, but I do know that God desires to grow you in holiness for the praise of his glory. I, I know that he, he desires you to be in relationship with other people so that when they enter your home or they enter your presence, they see something is different about you. And they see that, that, that you're not, necessarily maybe a perfect person. You don't have everything together, but that's okay. Rather, you're a person whom God is transforming by his grace to become more and more holy and righteous in his sight. Not holy and righteous for the sake of earning anything, but holy and righteous to be living our lives as worship unto God. Um, if you're a young person, you know, if you're 10 or you're under or, or you're in middle school or you're just kind of venturing into the work world, maybe finishing school or college in just a weird way here, um, God wants you to invest your life both in those things he has given you, but in knowing him, in, in planting your life deeply in the truths of God's word. Um, one of the things 
I look back upon, and I would change if I could, is that I would desire uh, a greater knowledge and love for the scripture at a young age. And that's no fault whatsoever of any of my parents or grandparents or any of those around me. In fact, there were many ways in which my parents and my grandparents sought to instill the word of God into me and sought to tie me to a local church and a local body of believers and have other people, the body of Christ, um, um, mentor me and disciple me into what it means to follow Jesus. And I'm incredibly thankful for that. Without that, I wouldn't be where I am today. But if you could choose one thing for your home, for your family, for your life, as for me and my house, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Be a person who is, who is, uh, in, who is in the text every single week. Who, who seeks not, not just to allow the word of God to come in and go out, but, but rather for the word of God to dwell in your heart. I asked you earlier, um, describe your home in a couple of words. I'd love to know how you described it. Here's some homework for you. Write down two or three words to describe how you would like to describe your home by God's grace. What would God want to do in your home in the next weeks and months here? As we get ready to come out of, uh, out of um, um, not quarantine, but uh, self-isolating and all that kind of stuff, as we get ready to, to, to engage with one another, how do you want to guard and to protect your home so that it is for the glory of God? How, how would you purpose your life intentionally by God's grace to know him and to make him known? Write down two or three words to describe how you would like to describe your home by God's grace. And here's what I want you to do with that. I want you, before you share those with someone, uh, I want you to pray over those. Lord, what, what should my home look like? Pray over those and then share those with someone else. Share those with a spouse. Share those with a friend. Share those with one of your kids. Share those with a, a, a brother or sister. Um, share those w- with a, a grandma or a grandpa. Um, have some accountability. Have some encouragement as you, by God's grace, make steps towards having a home that seeks to honor the Lord. Um, I was talking with my grandma. I'll, I'll finish with this um, I was talking with my grandma this week. She's in her mid-90s, and uh, it was just such a joy to hear her voice. And um, one of the things we, we talked about was just the, the role of, of faith and the role of family um, that, that we have been able to experience. I, I, I come from uh, a family that knows and follows Jesus and, and has really um, been intentional in how they have instilled those truths within us as kids. And um, my, my grandma said something to me earlier this week. She said, seeing your family follow Jesus is payday for me. Seeing your family follow Jesus is payday. She said this. She said, sometimes we have to wait and we have to trust the Lord with our kids. See, we can only invite people into an experience with God. We can't force it. Sometimes we have to wait and we have to trust the Lord with our kids. But as we prayerfully move forward, seeking the, um, the home that God wants us to have and establishing those godly principles, uh, living in his grace, uh, practicing forgiveness, um, seeking gentleness and the fruit of the spirit to be at work in our midst. It honors the Lord. It honors the Lord. And we have to trust the Lord to work through that in the midst of whatever our current situation is.
My grandma also said this. She said, um, we have not only done for you, you have done for us. And what she's talking about there is um, it, it doesn't matter if you're the mom or, your da- or you're the dad or you're the grandparent or you're the sibling. We are each called within our families to encourage one another. Kids, this week, find a way to spiritually encourage your mom or your dad. Pray for them. Encourage them. See, seek to allow Christ to lead and guide your life so that they, they see God working in you. A- ask God's spirit to lead and take control. Ask him to give you a love for your family that you haven't had. Be prayerful. Moms and dads, grandparents, friends, uh, neighbors, be prayerful. Trust that what God wants to do in you will also affect those who are around you because your home is an opportunity to live out God's grace. Your home is an opportunity to live out God's grace today. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Um, I I invite you to take this another step. Uh, At our website, you'll find on our live stream page a a study guide that you can download and you can work through together as families or as a small group. Uh, It'll take these passages and some more uh, and and allow you just some time to process. And so maybe even if it's not today, maybe do that during this week and and kind of think about this, this this, these passages and this message with a little greater clarity and depth as the days come. Um, happy Mother's Day, moms. We are so thankful for you. Um, thank you for seeking to serve the Lord. Thank you for instilling within our families the word of God. Um, we are grateful. Uh, let's pray as we close. Lord God, we thank you so much for the gift that you have given us today through your spirit. God, we know that it's not... Um, we, we can't even live out the word of God or completely understand the word of God without the illuminating uh, in, in the teaching of your spirit in our life. And God, I pray that your spirit would lead and guide us into truth for the glory of Christ. I pray, God, that we would not become dependent upon our own strength, but rather we would find the strength that is sufficient for us in you and in you alone. We bless you, Lord God. We thank you for your good gifts to us this day. As we go forward, may we go forward in faithful living for your honor, for your glory, and by your strength. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people together said, wherever you are, amen. Have a fantastic day today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face towards you and give you peace. The shalom of God be upon your families this week. Blessings. We'll see you next week.